Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone, welcome to On the Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined by Henry, Jamil, James, and Kathy. How is everyone? Great. Fabuloso. Doing well. Good. Well, it's good to have you all here. Jamil, we missed you while you're gone. It's great to have you back. Thank you. For everyone listening, we're going to have two parts to the show today. We're going to play a game called Hot or Not, where our panelists are going to tell us whether they like certain strategies for this type of market. And then we're going to go into what we call our correspondence show, where we're going to be talking about some of the more important and relevant news stories for real estate investors that are going on right now in February of 2023. Hey, guys, ready to play Hot or Not? I feel like this could get mean. I feel like it's like a middle school <laughs> game. I have some like repressed feelings about a game called Hot or Not. The past trauma. Flashbacks of rejection. Yeah, just being being nodded a lot. But uh... is, it, <laughs> is that website still up? Can we put our, should we all put our pictures up on it? <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. I am on my work computer and I'm not going to type in hotornot.com on my work computer. <laughs> but, uh, we'll do, they, do they track keystrokes there at, at, on your work computer? Like what's Dave, what's Dave typing today? Scott Trench is just watching you type all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Although I just to say, I think if, if Dave was like looking at hot or not, the, in 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 my world, all that would appear would be like sexy or not sexy numbers. Oh right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'd be like pie charts versus versus uh, uh, line graphs. You know, look at that IRR. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's just data visualizations and <laughs> people talking dirty about them. <laughs> all right, well. Enough of that. <laughs> Let's, get on to... <laughs> Let's get on to our show uh, where we're going to be talking about different strategies. I want to hear from each of you. Is this strategy right now hot or not? And I guess it's not like hot, like are people doing it? Is it would you do it? Um, so let's start with short term rentals. Henry, hot or not? Uh, I'm going with Niet. Uh, Yet. Okay. Yet. Not not hot. Um, I say that with a caveat. I'm doing it in a couple with a couple of deals. But but I think I think what you're starting to see with the Airbnb kind of slowdown, both seasonality obviously is playing a role, 
but also the increased um, inventory of Airbnbs is causing um, demand to go down, which is causing pricing, um, uh, you know, nightly rates to come down. And I think you saw a lot of people who had gotten into the Airbnb space because they were just like, oh, I can make five times what I'd get long term rent. I just got to throw some furniture in there and stick it up on Airbnb. Heck yeah. Right. And so you've yeah. And so you've got a lot of people in the space who are truly running a business, who are truly looking at the metrics and 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 setting their properties apart, providing the amenities necessary in their particular regions. They didn't do that kind of market research, right? They're not true operators. And so I think that um, if you look at Airbnb from that perspective in 2023, you're going to see a lot of those, you know, people who just kind of came in hoping to capture a bunch of cash, they're going to fall to the wayside. I still think buying properties at deep enough discounts that you can afford to pivot and you can put those on Airbnb, I still think there's some benefit there and you can make decent money with Airbnb, but you have to operate it properly, do the proper market research, offer the right amenities, have the right business practices in place, be able to do the proper marketing. You didn't have to market before. You just had to have it out there. And now you have to market and set yourself apart. And so um, it's a more, I don't even want to call it a more difficult strategy now. It's just, it's what it should have been in the first place is it's a business and you should treat it that way. Hospitality. Yeah. yeah. It's hospitality. We got to get back to hospitality, right, Henry? I mean, let's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an Airbnb here in Air, Air Phoenix, Arizona. It's always booked because there's, they have llamas. <laughs> there you go, everyone. Go out and get a llama. Just go get a llama. I never thought about it. Put a llama <laughs> on it. There's one here that has a giraffe. So, what? Yeah. That seems illegal. That's... <laughs> it's a famous giraffe. It's the one from. Um... It's the Toys R Us giraffe? No. It's Jeffrey. That's <laughs> Jeffrey. He retired from Toys R Us. It's the one from the, um, the Bachelor one, the, the, the Vegas one. What am I trying to say? The movie. The Hangover. The Hangover. Yes. Yeah, it's the one from The Hangover. It's, it's that one. Yep. Yeah, it's a rescued giraffe from, from Hollywood. Honestly, you know what? I would stay there. I'm curious now. <laughs> All right. So everyone, it's uh, short-term rentals are hot if you have an obscure farm animal. But if you don't, <laughs> be very careful about it is apparently the lesson. <laughs> Does anyone else disagree? Anyone else want to give me hot or not for this? Jamil, it sounds like not. Kathy or James? Yeah, not. 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 Not right now. I'm, I, I keep reading stories that, that actually it's increasing now and that vacation properties are kind of back in style. But I could tell you in our own case, we're, we're down 50% from last year, if not more. Same. Yeah. My, mine's down a bit too. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it was a gold rush and now it's like back to just like grinding it out like any other business. You know, it's not like the easy money anymore like it once was, but maybe, maybe we'll rise again. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to buy and hold. Kathy, I'm just going to give you a layup right now. <laughs> hot. So hot. So, so hot. I mean, can anyone disagree with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. You are? I'm a not on buy and hold. Really? But it depends on what you want to buy. We're, we're Like the Burr properties, I think, are really hot. That's, a you know, hard to, to buy. But for us, at least in our market... The lower income stable ones where you're just putting 20% down like a traditional rental property, and that's kind of how I'm defining that, that you're still competing against first-time home buyers. They, and that market is competitive. Yes, the market's down, but we're moving stuff. And so it's hard to get a good stable just buy and hold. Uh, and, and again, I'm classifying this as single family rentals. I think there's a lot of multifamily, a lot of burr opportunities, but if you just want that straight base hit single family rental deal, not a good yield right now, I would get something else. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying basically you like rental properties, but it needs to have some sort of value add component. Yeah, it needs to have value add. I just don't think the opportunities are there. If you want like your base hit rental deal, 20% down carpet paint release, that the margins are not good, not with the rates right now. And, and you have to put more money down. And I think you can get in the buy and hold, but you got to get the ones that no one wants or the ones that are a little bit hard. And then those deals are substantially better than they were 12 months ago. So there's opportunities and holdings, but just not for your straight base hit deals. This is thought, I think for me, the, the you can get, you can 3X your return in the other spaces. You know, it's funny. I, I would have thought that, but I 
just had a conversation with our Indianapolis team at Real Wealth, and and they said, you know, the cash flows today are the same that they were before because rents have gone up so much in those areas, and now there's more inventory. Last year, you you couldn't even get anything. If you did, you'd have to outbid other people. You're not having to do that now, but but the rents have gone up and they're they're holding. So he said it's no different. And in so many cases, the sellers are actually paying points to bring your rate down. And um, so you're probably getting the same, if not better rate than you could get last year. So I thought that was really interesting. We looked at the pro forma and tore it apart. And he was right. You know, it, it's similar. I, I Right now, I like buy and hold as a short-term strategy. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but sure. I think that if, because I, I, I'm allergic to holding stuff and I'm going to continue to be that way uh, because of, you know, past trauma, t- 2008, and uh, getting my hand burnt when I was trying to buy a multifamily. But what I'm going to say is um, I'm still seeing opportunities to buy really, really deeply discounted property out there. And if I can hold it, just this period of time of pain where I think things start to stabilize and, and, and once we come around the bend, uh, if I can at least break even between my purchase till my exit, which I think will be 18 to 24 months from now, I'm looking for substantial returns on that. So I just want to buy, hold. I don't even care if I cash flow, just break even until I can take my exit and you know cash in my chips at the at the casino. <laughs> All right. So that's like lukewarm, lukewarm, not hot or hot. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I agree. I think, I think James and Kathy are, are both right. Honestly. Right. It's similar to the Airbnb conversation, right? There was a gold rush and when the market was super hot and you could get uh 2% interest rates, right. And things were, things were going up in value so quickly. So you could buy something at a slight discount. Um, and all of a sudden you're renting it out. Rents were going up so you can, you can make the cash flow work. Like it's, it's not You're not going to find those easy opportunities as much, right? The ones, you know, James was talking about, you're not going to be able to make those pencil, but if you can and are good at looking and finding under market value deals, I mean, the, the discounts that we're able to get, and then the rents that we're able to get from after we renovate those properties, man, we're, we're cash flowing just as much as we were before. Um, and a lot of the times it's making more sense um, because typically in my business, we we keep the multis and we sell the singles. But right now, the way the way we're deeply getting the discounts on these singles, it makes more sense sometimes for me to just keep them as rentals, even if I do it in that short term time frame like Jamil's talking about when I can sell them at more of a discount. So even if it's not something I want to keep in my portfolio forever and ever, um, the cash flow makes sense right now because if I do turn those deals, like for example, I have a deal right now I'm closing today and I'm going to make a $17,000 profit. It would have made more sense for me to just renovate it a little bit, stick a tenant in it and cash flow it every month until the market changed, right? So the numbers are just making more sense as rentals on single families, depending on the, the type of discount you're able to get and how much you got to spend on that rental. For sure. All right. Well, let's do one last one. Let's talk about flipping here. James, hot or not? Uh, I think it's yeah, I think it's hot. It's uh, if you find the right opportunities, but it has to be ones that where we're having success in flips right now is going in the spaces that everyone's freaked out by. There is a lot of opportunities in there. Like on, when we're buying at an average price of seven to nine hundred fifty thousand, the discounts are about fifteen percent cheaper than the flips that we're looking that are three hundred to five hundred on the acquisition, and, and and so it can be hot if you get into the right space. I think the overall investor demand is at the knot right now. No one's really looking for flips, which is another good thing for us. We can go find those opportunities that are there. I mean, I just bought a house. We contracted it yesterday. I would have paid 600 for this at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of 2022. We just contracted for 435. Thanks. Wow. And not only can I flip it, I can also build a daddy with a backyard. Oh, nice. And so, but because it was a full permit job and it's going to be a 12 month project, everyone's like, nah, I don't want to deal with this right now. So the margins have, have, have started to really increase on the ones that are tougher. So if, if you can hang in there and, and actually go after, go where no one else is going and, and you can absolutely crush it right now. Anyone else have thoughts hot or not on flipping? 
I would have said not hot, but James is so hot that it's making (laughs) 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 flipping sound hotter. But he makes a really good point that, that, I mean, really, I I wasn't flipping when it was super hot for everybody uh, because I'm just not good at it. But maybe maybe it's time to start. But there's a lot of belief that rates are going to go down in May because the inflation numbers are going to look so much better year over year. Um, and and the average is year over year, and that May is really the the month that that's going to happen. And uh, so, if you were to get something now and try to sell it in May, you know that could be really good timing. Now that you mention it, it makes a lot of sense. If if you get it now with the discounts and then resell uh, when when mortgage rates are better. Personally, I you know of course I I flip houses on TV, and so I I a I have to for uh, a por- a, p- a part of my life, but secondly. <laughs> um, you know, the price point really matters. And for me, I'm staying away from the luxury or not, I'm not super luxury, but like that, you know, between 750 and, and $1.5 million kind of price point, I'm staying away from flipping anything in that range. Uh, I'm really liking manufactured homes. I'm really liking really, 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 really entry level fix and flips with minimal repairs uh that that product is still moving it's profitable and uh as long as you can acquire at a good price it's it's safe all right hot (laughs) enough said flipping is hot yep i got two deals i got two deals i'm gonna net six figures on at flips right now in this in this crazy nice so i mean it's it's and and we're talking six figures in in arkansas right so the margin is that's huge for here yeah what kind of cash on cash return is that is that like two five thousand percent? Yeah, well, I I literally have no money in either one of the deals, so it's infinite for me. Ah, uh, smoking hot, James. Those are the type of numbers I look at on hotornot.com. Just those types of IRRs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, but then we will come back with our correspondence show. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Okay. 
Okay, serious time, everyone. All right, that was fun. Now let's talk about the news. James, you have a story for us about how the housing market is performing. Can you uh, share something with us? Yeah, so this article is uh, from Fortune uh, uh, magazine, and it says, uh, we are in a bifurcated housing market correction. Just look at these four charts was the title. And what it references a lot, it talks about how John Burns, which is a great data source in general, um, was predicting at the beginning of the year a, a, a big decline, you know, versus like what they were saying at Zillow, where Zillow was actually predicting a 24% increase this year, year over year. And John Burns came out pretty negative at the beginning of the year, thinking that there was going to be a fairly big decline. And turns out he was not wrong. Um, and a lot of the, the, the kind of major cities, um, and, and what it looked like was in that the top 150 major housing markets, 100 of them declined pretty, pretty drastically. Like San Francisco was down 10 and a half percent. Austin's down nine and a half percent. Reno's down 9.3 percent, et cetera. And then there was 50 that were really just flat. And what it comes down to, like we've all been talking about for the last couple of months is just the affordability in the market and in the, the markets that have been the biggest decline also had the furthest appreciation, but it's just, they were already at the top of the market going into this last, like in 2018, things were at the top and people were hitting their affordability. Once rates dropped so low, it spiked everything up again. But once those rates started increasing, it's it, it just had to get back down to the affordability. And so it really talks about how they believe that rates are going to continue to increase for next year. And that you need to watch in these, it, or as you're investing, or how I kind of read it, is how you're investing, you can kind of look at the markets and where their affordability ranges are. And that has a huge, huge impact on whether you, that market's actually going to decline. It's not about like that that fad of a market anymore, or like it, like some of the, the novelty in the markets have worn off. And it really just comes down to straight affordable. Can the buyer pay this with what income that they're making? And so as a flipper or an investor, how I kind of read that is if we think rates are going to go up, then yes, we could see further decline. Like in Seattle, Seattle was a big drop. You know, it, uh, I know in Jamil's market too, in Phoenix, we saw a big drop and it, it all had to come in with that top end of the market. And so if you, if you think rates and affordability are, are going to continue to climb, that those could, those could actually deflate even further. But it, it's talking about how it really just made two different markets you have your affordable markets and your expensive markets. And the affordable markets have seen very, very little to zero decline. Like in Charleston, they were seeing, has saw zero. And yeah, and the expensive markets are, are, are deflating down. And I did think that was an interesting point. Yeah, it comes down to affordability. You got two markets. And I actually think there is going to be a third market though. It's not just going to be two. I think you're going to have your affordable markets like tech. And that's what we're seeing right now. Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, the markets have deflated about 10% from last year. And I'm seeing it about 25% down from peak pricing. But now we've kind of hit this affordable market and we've sold a ton of houses in the last 10 days. Like I was running about 35 to 40% pending on all of our, at any given time, we have about 60 to 70 listings. We were running about 35 to 40% pending for the last six months. And now we're up to like 55 to 65% pending. And I'm getting offers regularly on all product, not just affordable. Uh, we listed our farmhouse flip for 3.25 million. We were anticipating to be on at 60 days. We got an offer in 10 days. And so things things are moving again. So as a flipper, I'm going, okay, well, if the rates are going to spike up, I just need to undercut my values a little bit. But there is this sweet spot of think where things are trading. And it also leads to big opportunities in these deflated markets because if what this is saying, if it's all based on affordability, if we all think rates are, if I think rates are going to drop in the late quarter, that means I'm going to see some appreciation there too. And that's what you can check for to get those massive equity pops and really change your whole trajectory in real estate it, for me. So I'm looking for those opportunities that I'm going to see those equity pops because it makes it kind of more of an equation. Like, all right, if, if we know where it's going to sell on the affordability factor, then we just got to watch rates and we can kind of run with the rates and, and kind of watch those equity positions rise or shrink. Are you saying, James, that like you think it's picking up in Seattle because prices have fallen so far that they are now affordable again? Yeah, it just got out of, it just got out of reach for people. 
because there's still a ton of buyers in our market. You know, like we listed a couple homes last week, or I, we have a ha- listing coming up right now in Mount Lake Terrace. It, it Mount Lake Terrace is a like su- it's north of Seattle, good commuter city. We saw massive appreciation in this neighborhood the last uh, two years. Like I'm talking about 60 percent appreciation, huge, because just location development in in, in the city also being improved. And it definitely shrunk about 10% from where it was in the peak. But I pulled up, we're about ready to get it to list. There isn't one home for sale in the entire city of Mount Lake Terrace that I saw that would be. So I, I'm going to be the only house for sale. Hello. And, and what happened is it was, there was, there was a lot more inventory in the, in the, in the wintertime, which, you know, I, I do think the seasonal slowdowns are coming back. Like seasonal slowdowns were always a real thing until COVID hit. Wintertime, you're always going to sell your, it's going to take longer to sell. It's going to sell for a little bit less. And then with rates increasing, it got the inventory increased more. But I mean, we're talking about like their, their inventory increased like 35, 40% in these areas, if not up to 80%. And it got absorbed in the last two weeks very, very quickly. And so, and we're actually starting to see some multiple offers again, too, where things are getting actually bid up as well. So I feel like it had this sudden drop. We're on the shelf, and now the consumers are—they have to buy it. There is so many buyers in our market; they just can't get in reach with what's coming to market. And now, with the pricing getting down to that sweet spot, things are getting consumed again. I mean, there is a substantial amount of buyers in our market, even with the high rates and no inventory. Ah, super interesting. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of that. Uh, I was just talking to my real estate agent in Denver, who was saying something similar. And I guess Seattle and Denver are probably those types of tech markets, what you were talking about, that like tier of tech markets that are high priced and have seen some of the furthest drops uh, peak to current uh, so far. Jamil, given what you, you know, you're in a, you're in a pretty uh, pricey market there. Uh, what's, what's going on with you in Phoenix? Well, we had a, a very seismic type report by the New York Post where Goldman Sachs predicted a 2008-style crash in Phoenix, Austin, San Diego, and San Jose. And they're predicting, you know, 27% or greater price decline for 2023. So this obviously created just a massive ripple effect of of conversations uh, amongst the investor community and real estate agents and whatnot. So, you know, my, my phone was blowing up. And so, of course... I start doing some digging and and looking at how true is this prediction. And uh, looking at the corrections, of course, each of these markets have have seen declines. And what I've seen so far from you know peak to present, we're looking at about a nine point nine percent peak to present drop in Phoenix, Arizona, um, San Jose. And again, you know, data is, is is varying between different sources, but it's all it's all relatively close. From in San Jose, I'm seeing uh, about eight point nine percent peak to present. San Diego, six point seven percent peak to uh, peak to present decline, and in Austin, fourteen percent peak to present decline. Which is, I mean, that to me, if I'm looking at a possible market that could have that type of depression or that type of, of crash, it, it could potentially be Austin. But again, the fundamentals in each of these markets are really are really strong. And you still have very, very strong lending uh, criteria. Days on market on average is like 30 days or less in each of these markets. You're also seeing these surges in first-time landlords, which is an increasing thing, which is an interesting thing to think about because people who have cheap debt in these markets, rather than just go and throw their house on the market and, and sell it at a steep discount, they're deciding to turn into landlords and they're going to hold that house and keep that cheap debt and and possibly remove that from creating inventory, uh, in, in, you know, inventory increases. The other interesting piece, you know, because I uh, have Keegley in my, in my world, uh, we're, you know, in one of the nation's largest wholesale operations and I'm looking at buying and, and what the institutional buyers are doing. And it's just, interesting timing that we see a report like that come out and the institutions that we're working with are all turning up their buying in those markets 
And then when I say turning up, I mean, they're, they're reaching back out to us. They're emailing saying, Hey, send us everything. But our buy boxes have changed dramatically. So now they are decreasing substantially where their offer number would have been. And so it's like, they're looking at a report like that as their justification for coming in and, and trying to purchase at 25% below where they would have been purchasing say three or four months ago. So it's like this is, is, is this report creating movement, which will actually fulfill the prophecy that this situation could potentially occur. So that's interesting. But on the other side of that, after the holiday season, we looked at our pendings just here in Phoenix, Arizona. And, and I mean, it's, it's spiked just like James was reporting in the last, in the last little while, his flips he's at what 50 or 60 percent pending where normally he'd be at like 35 40 percent pending it, it, we're seeing something ex- very similar here in phoenix arizona as well so how how does that happen how is a 30 percent decline uh, supposed to occur when we still have low inventory when we uh, when building has has screeched to a halt when we've got home locked buyers because interest rates were low for all that time and they they don't do they do not want to let go of that asset I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it naturally happening. But again, we, everything that we're looking at and working with right now are, are not natural real estate cycle phenomenon. This is all manipulation. It's all so, so many different factors and, and agencies and, and institutions and doing things. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I'm just looking at the writing on the wall and I'm like, who, who's controlling? Who are? Who is the puppet master here? And how do I become friends with that person? <laughs> I, I could tell you one of the puppet masters is the one we've been talking about, you know, for a year now. And it's it's the Fed and what they've been doing. And um, I, this isn't my article, but it is, it's an article that's really good. And I'll just share it really quickly. It's from it's it's from National Association of Home Builders, and I think you guys also saw this, how many households were priced out by higher mortgage rates in 2022. And it shows these graphs of when interest rates went from three and a quarter percent to seven percent in a matter of months. I mean, what a shock to the system. This is doubling the payment in, in just a matter of months. And in that process, it went from 44 million people um, who could afford to buy a home down to 26 million Wow! in a matter of months. We're talking 15 million people priced out, boom, just like that in a matter of months. We've I've never seen anything like it. Now, recently, we went from that 7% right down to about 6 and 6.4%. So this article is basically saying in the last few months that brought 2.6 million people back into the market. Now, as uh, over the next few months, most people are assuming and seeing that with inflation going down, so will mortgage rates. Mortgage rates follow inflation and that we will probably get into the high fives. And that brings in a whopping almost 8 million more people who can afford to buy. So, you know, a lot of what, again, James was saying earlier and what you're saying now, Jamil, of like there's this change. It's because now there's more people who can come back in and they're learning and they're being educated by their mortgage broker that, hey, you're going to pay a little bit more to to get your rate down maybe to the fives, uh, maybe a point or two. Just talked to our mortgage lender yesterday who said, it's just like a, a point or so to get you into the fives. And again, that's bringing in 8 million more people. And paying that one point is a lot less than the higher prices that they were paying before. And you had a lot of people who were sitting on cash ready to buy and suddenly couldn't but had the down payment. So it'll be a lower down payment, but the difference goes towards paying down the rate. So anyway, that may be one of the reasons you're, you're seeing more people coming back in and sales picking up. And people are coming in with FOMO. They're, they missed the opportunity because yeah. rates spiked and now they're they're back in it and they are moving right now. They are really jumping on stuff. It's They don't want to get priced back out again. Yeah. When you put it that way, Kathy, it's pretty amazing the housing market has been as resilient as it is. Yeah. You know, the fact that we're seeing, I think the case Schiller came out the other day in a seasonally adjusted manner. It's just two and a half percent peak to trough to peak to current is two and a half percent declines. And that's with what, like 30% of buyers being priced out. Uh, it is pretty remarkable. Um, and I think why, uh, to your point, Jamil, 
30% declines, maybe in a few markets, who knows, but uh, it just seems seems unlikely, um, especially with what's happened in the last couple of weeks where there's a lot of activity going on. Yeah. And it's important to note that with, with sales down, sales down 30%, you're, you're getting a smaller pool of properties to even look at and averages to even look at. Um, it was kind of like in 2009 when everything was a foreclosure that was on the market, then prices seemed really low, but it wasn't a real price. It was just foreclosure prices because that was the main, you know, what was on the market. And that's kind of what we're seeing. What's on the market is maybe being discount, but that doesn't really state the whole, you know, it's sales are down so low. It's just a small percentage of, of what's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting what you said, uh, Jamil. I'm curious to hear how it evolves with these institutional buyers, because you're sort of at the forefront of it in Phoenix. I think it would be interesting to know, you know, in some of those other markets that you mentioned, you said like San Jose, I don't think that's like a big institutional buyer area or San Diego is so expensive. Not not a huge not a huge institutional buyer area, but they do buy there. They're there and it's and it it's some of the it, also those smaller portfolio buyers which are still you know, it's 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 still in the hundreds of millions of dollars when it when we're talking about uh, you know, access to capital and their ability to purchase. So they're I mean, they're they're still buying. They're turning on the taps. I am with you, Jamil. I get it. I also, you know, not a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, you can put pieces together of a puzzle, and if it makes a picture, it makes a picture, right? So the the but what you're saying is is echoed in my market. It's also right in line with uh, the article that I brought to share, right? Which is that mortgage demand has jumped twenty eight percent in one week as interest rates are now at their lowest point in months, right? And so the highlights of the article are just saying that uh, the average interest rate for a 30-year fixed is around, you know, between 6.2 to 6.4. And people are, more people are applying for mortgages. It's up 25% week over week. Uh, Now, Putting in uh, putting that into perspective, that's still down thirty five percent from twelve months ago at this same time. Um, but when you look at rates being at their lowest point since September, that's significant. And I think what you're starting to see is that people are realizing that the two and three percent interest rates that ship has sailed. Right. I think people are finally starting to get it like we're not going back there. We're not going to get that low again. I mean, frankly, a lot of people don't want to get that low again, because what does that mean for what's happening in the economy if we have to get there again? And so people are just starting to realize that this is what you pay for an interest rate now. Right. Life happens and and things move on. Yes, people are some. There is a subset of people who are priced out. Um, of the market, but that's going to happen no matter what interest rate you're at, right? So there are some people that can afford to buy, some people that can't. I think people are starting to, I think the sticker shock is wearing off and it's just now this is what rates are and life continues to move on. People need to move for different reasons. People want to move for different reasons. And when you have, you know, two income households, um, who have stable jobs and are making a decent salary, it's easier for them to afford. Uh, homes. And, you know, what I'm seeing in my market is echoing that. It's echoing what you're saying as well. We listed a flip, which would be considered for a a luxury flip in my market. And, um, you know, that's a, you know, quote unquote, risky strategy right now, unless you're James Daynard. So, you know, those luxury flips, we we put it on the market. Um, We had it on the market for 24 hours, had 10 to 12 showings, and got four offers wow. all over asking price. Over asking. Over asking. One of them. We listed at five. We listed at five fifty, and we are under contract at five seventy. And what's the what's the like the median home price in your area, Henry? The median home price in my area is like three hundred. Oh, so this is really upscale. Two two seventy five to three hundred. Yeah. Okay. I think I want to move to. Northwest Arkansas, man. <laughs> yeah, I think we all should move there. <laughs> we keep saying that, but I don't even know if they have like an airport. How do you even get there? <laughs> we have <laughs> we have an international airport. You have to remember, <laughs> sure, that the Waltons 
fun to this place. Do you think the Waltons aren't going to have an international airport built here where they can get in and out? I think they have an airport that they use. I don't know if we're allowed to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Henry, was that 28% spike in mortgage applications national or just in the uh, region? That's nationally? Yes. Mortgage applications are up. More people are entering the market because I think they feel a little more comfortable that these are what the rates are going to be. Uh, and, 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 and people are applying for home loans, right? And, and, and also to echo, uh, what Jamil was talking about, the, the money is starting to, to, to be, um, in demand again, right? I've had two conversations in the last seven days, one with an institutional buyer, just like Jamil was talking about, called me and said, Hey, send me anything, right? Send me what you have. We want to buy. And one, a bank yesterday, a banker small local bank literally reached out to me and said, Hey, we need your business. I can, I can still do loans with a six in front of them, which is, you know, when you're talking about commercial lending, that's, you know, we're usually paying a higher rate. So that's solid. So he's like, bring me what you got. I can do loans with a six in front of them. Um, you know, I'm willing to be flexible with the, with the rates and terms. Right. So they're, they're wanting to lend more people are buying. And, you know, so I, you know, I kind of see it. Let's see what you're saying, Jamil. Let's see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Well, that, that's super interesting. I mean, I, I think that we're uh, we're in this really odd spot with mortgage rates, like where people don't know if they're going to go up or down. And so like anytime there's this, you know, like over the next year or so, where like if there's these short-term fluctuations where they go down, people are jumping in. And I think this just goes to show something that people overlook from a from a housing market perspective is just demographics like there are just a lot of people who want to buy homes and like they are willing to wait for a little bit for a short mortgage rate but most people aren't like us where they're sitting around looking at the interest rates and forecasting what they're going to be in may and then october and thinking about their strategy they're like i just i want a house it went down half a point and i'm going to jump in now you know it just shows goes to show like that's how homeowners who make up 70 percent of the housing market make their decisions. It's not what we're talking about. All right, Kathy, let's round it out. What do you got for us? Well, this is actually a blog from the J.P. Morgan website. It's um, J.P. Morgan Chase, The Economic Outlook for 2023, Trends to Watch. This was actually written in December, but I I really think they're pretty spot on so far. Um, They said the U.S. economy likely will slow this year, um, but the but the economy will grow. So it's like a half a percent to 1%. So super slow growth, but that's not a recession. Um, that's important, I think, for a lot of people who are hearing, I mean, all you have to do is type in recession on Google and, and you might want to get a, you know, a handkerchief and just cry a little bit. But the, you know, the, um, it, it, yes, the economy is slowing, but it doesn't really look like a recession is coming quite yet. And they kind of predict it would be maybe towards the end of the year or 2024, but mild. So we shall see. It depends a lot on what the Fed does. Now the Fed just raised rates to another quarter percent, and it looks like they're going to do it again probably in their next meeting, another quarter percent. And they've been saying for a long time they're they're shooting for about a 5% fund rate, Fed fund rate, and they're, you know, almost there, right? So it could just be one more. A lot of people are in agreement that it would just be one more quarter percent rate hike, and then it just holds there for a bit. And based on what we're seeing, where we keep seeing, you know, job growth and we keep seeing jobless claims declining this is. in spite of everything that's happened this year, that could be true. You know, that could be true that it's a very mild recession at the end of the year. Um, so those thinking that it's going to be a 2008, you know, it's different. It's different, co- totally different dynamics this time around. Uh, and then as far as the housing market, you know, the, you guys all said it all. I think we know it maybe better than J.P. Morgan. I don't know. They're lenders. They might probably need to know uh, what to expect, too. They're they're expecting residential investment could be down 10 to 23, uh, 10 to 12 percent in 2023. So again, that's not a 2008 marking, um, housing market crash, and that's an average, meaning that some areas would do worse and some areas would do better. And that's what we were talking about these by you know these different markets. I've been following John Burns real estate for many, many, many years, and that was always his message: is that every single market is different, and you know you, there again, no national housing market, and some 
are going to be more affordable, some are going to be less affordable, some are overpriced, some are underpriced. You've got to know your market in the end when it comes to housing. But the overall economy really doesn't look as bad as some people want to tell you it will be. I'm so glad you brought this up, Kathy, because I think that there is this overwhelming media narrative that there's going to be a recession. And I think that is very unclear still. Uh, Economists, I just saw this poll by Bloomberg that said, I think it's like 65% of economists think there's going to be a recession. So two out of three, that's not a sure thing. Uh, Goldman Sachs is the first bank that just upwardly revised their forecast. So now they're feeling more optimistic. They just said there's going to be no recession in 2023. So there's some really interesting stuff here. The the labor market is holding up surprisingly well. We just saw that GDP grew almost 3% in the fourth quarter. There's interesting stuff here. But I do want to say that like for the housing market in terms of appreciation and prices, avoid narrowly avoiding a recession could be the thing that pushes housing prices down further because that's probably the only scenario I see where mortgage rates actually go up from where they are right now. Right. Because like if there's a recession that pushes down mortgage rates and the only way I think mortgage rates go up is if the economy, uh, if the, the yield curve kind of normalizes and bond yields go up and then we start to see mortgage rates closer to seven again. So I don't think they're going to be crazy, but it's just interesting that like the overall economy doing well might be the thing that makes the housing market do worse. Well, it wasn't saying that the economy is going to be robust or, or you know, again, growing. Normally, you'd want to see a 2 or 3% or 4% growth, and, and they're saying maybe a half percent to 1%. So I, I'm kind of still in the camp that uh, mortgage rates are going to decline this year uh, based on the fact that the economy is slowing. But this is, again, these are the headlines people see is, oh, the economy is down but what uh, oftentimes what they're not seeing is it's the the rate of growth that's slowing so and that's the same with housing prices like oh it's down yeah the rate of growth is down and that's good <laughs> compared to last year so again read read articles fully because the headlines are meant to scare you and unfortunately too many people only read the headline does anyone else think that it this is more of like a slow squeeze rather than a, you know it kind of had its jolt now it's like this slow squeeze that we're going to be in for the next 12 to 24 months. But also this slow squeeze could actually make rents go through the roof, right? Like as housing is just kind of out of reach, like if, because if the economy is not growing rapidly, that's what we also saw. It wasn't just rates of why the housing market exploded. That was a huge portion of it. But it was also stock growth, investment growth, where access to liquidity was through the roof for people. Like people were just printing money and they could put money down. It's like, oh, the house is up a 200 grand. Well, I'll just put that down as my down payment. And so the liquidity has been squeezed. And and so right now, like the cost of housing and the rent, it's it's still a way out of whack. And so I'm actually really starting to dig into some of these rental markets. Like, hey, I still feel it. Whereas I thought it was going to be stagnant. I could, I'm actually starting to think that there could be some growth in some certain neighborhoods for sure. Because the, the cost of own is just so out of whack still. And like the slow squeeze is just going to make it harder to absorb that. It, it, like things will sell for pricing, but it's going to be slower. So it, you know, in my opinion, rents are going to climb at that point. Interesting, just because it in markets, especially like in Seattle, it just does not make sense financially to buy a house. No, or like in Newport Beach, it's like I mean, my my rent payment is a third of what my mortgage payment would be. Wow. No, it's my rent payment is fifty percent less than my mortgage payment if I put fifty percent down. What? That's crazy. Oh, it's it's wow. crazy. Like it, it, that's like I'm like it doesn't make any sense to me. I'll go buy apartment buildings instead. I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't. But yeah, so I I could see some growth in that sector. Like the slow squeeze will actually I think get runway on the rents. All right. Well, I think that's great advice. Don't assume just because people are saying that there's a recession and it's a foregone conclusion that that is true. There's it's actually a much more complicated and nuanced economic situation and that's why there's not really a real definition of recession like we're just in this like gray area i think uh mark sandy the guy moody's called it like a slow session it's like (laughs) it's just going to be slow and the economy is going to be lame but it's not actually going to go backwards so (laughs) there's there's some um there's some nuance to it and uh listen to shows like this so you can understand it 
All right. Well, thank you all for being here. This was a lot of fun to have everyone back together. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this show, we would really appreciate some reviews. We get tens of thousands of people listening every week, but we only get like one review a week. All it takes is a, what five seconds. Go give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy this type of show and this type of content, it would mean a whole lot to us. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time for On The Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. Investing in small multifamily properties is probably the most popular niche in the entire Bigger Pockets community, and there's a good reason for that. You can put as little as 3.5% down and own up to four units. So just think about that for a second. You can house hack where you live in one of the units, but in addition to having a place to live, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month. You have four kitchens and bathrooms that you could add value to to build equity. You could also turn one or more of the properties into a short-term rental or a medium-term rental. And all this, what I'm describing here, is just one transaction. But of course, the question is, where do you find one of these small multifamily properties that you can afford? Which markets and which deals are best for you? How about after you close? How do you manage it? Optimize it. Keep scaling and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants. These are all great questions. And luckily for you, they're going to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient, great strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. I'll see you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.